Blog Talk Radio. Breedis' age at, what is he, 37? 
fighting a guy, I think he was 27 or 28. Yeah, 27, I think. Um, maybe this is the end of the road for him, you know. Um, could he win a rematch? I don't know. This is going to be it'd be kind of interesting. But either way, we'll talk about that. But then we'll look forward to this weekend. Showtime has a triple header headlined by Maxayo and Vargas. Um, that's an interesting fight. That's a 50-50 fight. Um, just off of skill, I do favor Ray Vargas. We'll break that fight down. Chisora Pulev Part 2. Um, a dream off at Soto or on the, that undercard, by the way. Um, that's a rematch as well from a fight that ended, you know, kind of funky, I guess you could say. So, yeah, we're going to go over Pro Box as a card as well. So, zone Pro Box, Showtime. We'll go over the, the preview and predictions and all that good stuff. Um, there's a little bit of news out there, plenty of fight news. Um, it looks like the uh, Shields in Marshall undercard you know, got stacked. <laughs> um, Navarrete re-signed with top rank. There's a variety of fight news that we'll definitely get into um, before it's all said and done. Like I said, I don't really expect too many people um, to call in just because, shit, it's 4th of July right now. I'm here at 635, so the fireworks don't pop off to like 10 anyway. Beyond what you get all, you know, all weekend long, I suppose, that night. But, um, so, you know, but, you know, for whoever joins, I see some people joining in. If you want to press one and, and, you know, listen or, you know, talk cool. If not, you just listen and that's cool too. Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the rope Dope radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blog talk, radio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open, download the show directly there. If you don't want or listen to the browser, you can find the platform on Apple Pie, Apple Piecast, Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Someone always uh, hits me up with. Um, while you're at it, head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Now, the prices start as low as $64.99. You can lock that price in. For 12 months, if you order it online, that's a $100 reward card that goes with it. Um, the best of live TV and on demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice, that's $69.99. Ultimate, $89.99. But with all three, the basic one and the, the two I just listed, you get three months worth of HBO Max, Showtime, Epics, and Cinemax. Something to think about three full months anyway uh that's direct tv stream if you don't want to do that deal and you just want the basic thing showtime's running a direct tv showtime deal right now uh where it's for three months it's 550 per month something to think about direct tv stream okay like i said there is some uh some items that we'll touch upon i also said you know it's it's a it's a strange night to do a podcast so um a lot of people, you know, having a cookout, yada, yada, yada. Um, a lot of people busy. So um, we'll see. It does look like um, John is going to be able to call in. We'll see if Portland does. Like I said, anybody listening, want to join in, that's cool. Um, 
figure why not just get it out of the way. You know what I'm saying? My schedule's a little funky this week per normal, both late, so why not? Okay, so um, like I said in the, the beginning, man, like we get these weekends where – and we haven't – I mean, we had that run since like – keep going back to that date, uh, Golovkin Morata, since April 9th, basically. We've had a hell of a run. And it's not like January, February, March sucked, you know. It was pretty good, but we've been on a run for a while, so we were due for a mediocre weekend. And, you know, to be fair, it was kind of mediocre, but, you know, we, we did not, you know, get – disappointed because we had an upset um you know Opataya upset he's 21 and 0 um like I said not, not half his age I almost said but 10 years younger I think he's age 27 to 37 over you know Breedis it was a very competent very you know high level boxer can do a little brawling can do some inside work he's a damn good fighter you know, he gave, um, you know, Alexander um, Usyk a pretty damn good fight. And uh, just kind of going round by round, the first one was a, a fairly slow round. Um, you could probably go either way. But then I'd say, I'm looking at my scorecard, four straight rounds, two, three, four, and five, I gave – uh, to the challenger, you know, Opataya. I gave, I gave it to him. Um, you know, maybe the third, because to be fair, Breedis did close strong in that third round. Um, and he started out pretty good with the jab in the second, but then uh, Opataya's own jab and a few really good, nice left hands were the difference. And I thought in the third round, it was probably several hard left hands that did it. That gave him that round. Um, then he started kind of adding the right uppercut and a few hooks on the inside, uh, along with those clean straight left hands. And like I said, somewhat of a pretty good jab in the fourth. Jabs and quick combinations in the fifth. So I had Opataya up early, you know, four to one or something like that. Um, you could start to see uh, the nose bleeding of Breedis. After a handful of rounds, he had a cut as well. Sixth round was another close for me, a close round. I shouldn't say another. You know, they, the opening round was just slow, but sixth round was close. If you wanted to give the Breedis whatever, it was a close round. I did give him the seventh, though, and I thought from here on, he did win some rounds, no doubt about it. He got back into this fight, um, you know, right away. He was landed, this, you know, that jab that he – landed pretty much throughout the fight, but a big right hand followed up by hooks and an uppercut won that round. A couple of nice, like, looping counter right hands by uh, Opataya, who he did that a lot in the fight. So I gave him the seventh. I did give Opataya. It was a competitive round in the eighth, but I thought the left hands to the head and then more of those right hooks and uppercuts to me, that won the eighth round for Opataya. Then Breedis bounced back, which, again, a two-way round. But I think the big right hand late probably stole that one for him. Uh, gave the tenth round uh, to uh, Opataya Opa, Opa because he, I think he buzzed him or maybe full-on hurt him with a few big shots. And then he followed it up with flurries. 
Now, to his credit, uh, Breedis, he did once again win the 11th round. Uh, you know, he was kind of moving, but he'd land solid shots. Those short uppercuts and left hooks, he was landing pretty well. But it seemed like everything down the stretch he was trying to throw with some power. You got to give – did you give him the 12th round? Probably. Um, it was kind of weird because it was like this choppy re- – you know, I was watching a replay online that's available. There's multiple ones on YouTube. And the 12th round got a little funky randomly, so I gave it to Breedis, but I could have been wrong. But we do know, you know, talking about down the stretch – Opatayas got hurt, you know, his jaw. We saw something online on Twitter where, you know, you could see the damage that he had in his, in his jaw and whatnot. But I had the scorecards were two, two of them read 116-112, uh, 8-4, and then one was 115-113. That's right where I was. 8-4, 7 7-4, somewhere in there. But Opataya clearly won this this fight that there's just no way around that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, man, I mean, it, it, it was a good performance in a, in a spirited fight in the second half. Both of them were getting in. The, there was ebbs and flows, so it was a really fun fight to watch in the second half. Um, and Opataya surprised me. You know, he was a pretty clean underdog. I didn't put money on him. I'll fully admit it. I thought about it, you know, but... I just didn't think he had, like, enough to win the fight. And I, I, didn't, I didn't touch this fight in general, actually. So, um, you know, it was a great performance. And could it be a little different? You know, some people will say, well, you know, that cut in the nose, you know, broke his nose or whatever, Breedis, and, you know, he didn't have his best night. He could bounce back and win a couple more rounds and win this fight. And I think that's fair, but we can't just say because of the cut nose because, obviously, you know, Opataya had his own issues, as it, as, it, as it were. You could tell by the end of the fight and when the fight was over, he had that look of, I broke my jaw, <laughs> you know. We all know where you're not quite closing your mouth. You're just kind of sitting there like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? Something's going on, you know. I can go back to Victor Ortiz looking in the mirror, spitting blood out. When Jose Cito Lopez pulled that upset, the, the Riverside Rocky, which after, what, Paul Williams got in a car accident, unfortunately, and uh, Victor Ortiz was maybe getting Who else was going to get that fight? Paul Williams, somebody else, and then they were going – for Victor and Jose Cito Lopez ended up getting that fight. That was a good quadruple header. Some good fights in there. Anyway, because I think Madonna and Soto Carras fought. So yeah, that's that's the one. That was really good. I remember that because uh, I was there. Anyway, because um, that was the same night is, for Martinez and uh, Chavez Jr. Now that I think about it. So, uh, by the way, Isaac Hardman, um, I guess he's called like the head splitter well he landed a right hand that i know now why they call him that <laughs> um he, he's got the highlight real knockout um no doubt about it i mean obviously there, there is no doubt about that it, it was pretty nasty it's, it's the highlight real knockout you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it um like i said it was uh it was a, it was a big knockout no doubt about it um, I'd like to see this rematch at some point. 
sooner rather than later uh, based off Breedis. But then again, how long is this injury going to take, you know, for Obataya? That might be a little tough on him, right? So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I think it's a competitive rematch, you know. Um, had Breedis won an extra round or two early and it would have been 3-3 after six, the way he fought in the last six rounds, he may have pulled it off. So I'd be willing to see a rematch. Obviously, Breedis has been at this weight class for a while now. Um, he came up short against Usyk, but other than that, he's got some good names on his ledger, and I think he deserves a rematch, especially the way he fought uh, down the stretch. But who knows? You know, who really knows? Maybe, maybe he'll think, hey, hey, man, like, I think I'm done. You know, who knows? But, uh, but a, a big, big win, big, big upset, the upset of the weekend, obviously. Um, and then we had, uh, was that on ESPN Plus? The jo- was that ESPN Plus, the, the Joe Joyce? Anyway, like I said, the, the was like, you know, he basically got hit a fair amount and – and then, you know, because he gets hit a lot in fights, and he's got a really good chin. I'm not, I'm not ripping him per se. I mean, obviously he's got a good chin. But then again, it's like some of these other heavyweights that can really, really crack, you know, what's that going to mean for him long term? Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he won the fight. You know, he, he had that – um. When was his last fight? Can't remember. I can't remember exactly when his last fight was. But he did have that injury because yeah, it was his wrist, wasn't it? His wrist? Yeah, I think he had that wrist injury. So, um, you know, he he got back, and, and they're gonna bring him back. It sounds like. Um, so yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, the. Okay, so it, it had been about a year, a little short of a year since he last fight. So that's why they do want to bring him back uh, as soon as possible. And I believe that working date is September 24th. I think they have a date for him. And obviously, yeah, September 24th, the juggernaut looks like he's going to return. They're targeting, a, you know, a better heavyweight than this. Obviously, they had some issues there. Um, but I I do want to see him back. Yeah, I guess it was two jaw fractures, according to Ben Heyman, or Damon Heyman. Uh, ben Damon, maybe he thinks he's Damon. No. Um, ben Damon, he showed, like, the two fractures. And when you see it, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and so how long does that take? You know what I mean? How long is that going to recoup? That's my – that's what I'm wondering. Probably a little while, right? I know that sounds kind of silly, but I'd say kind of a little while. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Um, But either way, back to Joe Joyce. He, um, you know, I like that he's going to be back so early. Um, He definitely needs to get that rust off all the way. It took him a little bit to get some rust off, get hit, and then score a knockout, like I said. Not many things you can take like, oh, he was work. You know, he looked better doing this or he looked better doing that. He is what he is. 
He's a big dude. He's got power. He could take a good punch. We'll see, though, once he goes up against, you know, a real puncher, if he can hang and not just get, you know, beat up a whole lot, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, that that's about all I'm going to do for recap. Um, of course, like I said, we do have the triple header coming up this weekend, which I think uh, – we have some, you know, an interesting fight or two. Um, the Mark Maxayo. I mean, that's a 50-50. Mark Maxayo and Ray Vargas. I'm looking at it, and the highest it goes, and I'm on pro boxing odds right now, um, plus 100, plus 110, Maxayo. I mean, this is about as 50-50 as you can get. You know, I'm looking at FanDuel. It's minus 112 a piece, you know, DraftKings, minus 15, minus 110, you know, it, it's Ray Vargas, I guess you could say is a slight favorite, like a sliver, you know what I mean? Whereas Derek Chisora, Chisora excuse me, and Kubrak Pulev, um, Pulev is, a you know, more of like closer to a two to one, you know, it's probably right in about a two to one underdog. If you look at plus 200, plus 210, I think, Five Dimes has him. Chisora is a plus 235. And both these guys are not young, you know what I mean, as we know. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like which one's going to fall off the cliff, you know. I mean, you got – I mean, shoot, he's over 41 now. He's 41 or something like that, isn't he? I should double-check on that. I'm talking about Pulev. Um, and then – how many more times, you know, Chisora, Jesus Christ, you know, I mean, this guy, yeah, he's 38, but, you know, he's been through, I mean, the guy has, he's three straight losses, but look who they're to, Usyk, who actually, that was a competitive fight, and, you know, same with the Park, both Parker fights were pretty competitive, too. Um, he did beat Spilka, he beat Gashi, he lost to Dillian White, that was actually a fun fight. I mean, who's going to fall off the cliff, like I said? You know, I mean, you could make an argument both will. Um, Pulev had, I guess you could say, some some decent moments against uh, Anthony Joshua. Nothing too crazy. Um, He was kind of down, down what, in the third? And then I think he... Well, it stopped in the ninth. He got stopped in the ninth. Um, but that's, you know, that is his only loss since Klitschko in 2014. But that's the problem. I mean, he beat Chisora, like I mentioned, in a split decision. That was already 2016. I knew it happened a while ago, but we can look at it. But really, the Huey Fury fight, he got a, a win in. This is already, like, almost coming on four years ago. Ginyu, like, you know, he doesn't really have, I mean, he beat Forrest the last time out, you know. Um, it was this year, though. That was, like, April or May, wasn't it? Yeah, May. So, at least he's fresh in that regard as far as, you know, um, active. He definitely active. Because he had actually, I forgot, he had been off since that fight. That's right. Or since that Anthony Joshua fight. And that was at the end of 2020. So, he had been off for quite some time. So it's nice that he got 10 rounds, uh, not like Forrest is some kind of killer or anything like that, but 
you can make an argument that both these guys could fall off a cliff, you know. Um, I think as far as, you know, the overall skill level and uh, past the victory, I think that does favor Pulev. Um, he just has, you know, I'm not saying his two belt, two belt is like full of everything, you know, um, but he just has more ways to win, you know, and, and he can move, he can punch a little bit, you know, a fair amount. And I don't know. I, I just think he'll be able to beat Chisora, but Chisora has a way of being in fights. I just mentioned that Usyk fight. Now, now that was what is, that first or second? I think it was the second heavyweight fight, wasn't it? Didn't he look like crap against Witherspoon? Didn't really look good against Chisora. But um, obviously he adapted and then Styles made fights, I guess, against Joshua came out and put on a great performance. So you can never tell there. But like I said, Chisora just has this way of, of hanging around in fights. And you could say, well, Parker, you know, was had more tools tools in his belt and he kept that competitive you know um relatively speaking uh especially in the first one maybe not as much in the second but um i do favor pulev you know would i put a little bit of money on a i'm looking at it like a plus 200 plus 220 i'm not sure i'd have to kind of think about that um but at least it's not like a plus 300 or plus 400 to where it's one thing to put a little bit of money on a on a large underdog, right? Because obviously, you know, you can't make much off of a strong favorite, like a heavy favorite. Well, he's not a heavy favorite in this fight, so Pulev. So, um, but I do like Pulev to probably win that fight. We'll see, you know, where that goes or where he goes from there and whatnot. Um, so, and there's also that Madrimov and Soto rematch, like I mentioned. You know, it had, like, a really funky ending. Um, now, some people say they really, like, I understand. I, I totally get why there's a rematch. Would I have been completely up in arms? There wasn't, you know, relatively speaking to, uh, to boxing, you know, because that's the way you got to look at this stuff. Um, would I be just, you know, just like, what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't be freaking out, you know? Um, but he, what was it? I think, actually, I think Madrimov, was he up on two I don't think he was up on all the cards. I think it was just two cards, if I remember correctly. And then, you know. There was the, the after the bell thing, you know, neither the, the ref did hear the bell, obviously the fighter didn't, but it, either way, you know, it doesn't really matter because if the ref doesn't, usually a fighter's going to go. Um, if, if they're allowed to, they're probably going to go. But, you know, I, I did think Madrimas was starting to really take over that fight. Um. And I should actually look at the scorecards on that because maybe I'm wrong about the two out of three, but I thought it was only two out of three. I didn't think he was up all three of them. I'll look that up here in a second, but I think it's still an interesting fight though. 
You know what I mean? No, no doubt about that. I think it's a good, it's an interesting fight, you know? Um, and, and it's, it's nice when, you know, things go wrong that, you know, somebody was wronged. You know, a lot of times people get wronged and nothing ever happens from it, you know? So I think that part of it, you know, makes me feel like, all right, dude, you, you know, Soro, you get another shot at it. And uh, actually something's going on with, uh, I have to look someplace else on the box rack. It's got this weird message. I forgot the scorecards. My my gut's telling me it was two out of three, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But I like I literally can't. I can't uh, see it. I can't see they were. But I did have personally. I had a dream up up uh, fairly cleanly. You know what I mean. So. Um, what the hell? I'm just running up. I'm, I'm trying to Google this real quick, but it's just not. Okay, here we go. Sorry about but this. is not good podcast. Uh, do, do, do. So in the ninth round, 78. Okay, yeah, it was. It was. 78, 74, um, 77, 75, and then one had it, had it 76, 76. So at the time, you call that a majority decision or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so that he was up on the cards, though, two out of three of them. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good undercard fight. Um, but I do think Madrimov will win. Um, he showed me some pretty nice things in there. Compared to, you know, he came on kind of like a dream, my dream up, right? He came on like a lot of people were like, he's going to run 154. It's over. Um, some of that has to do with, you know, some of the stuff he was showing in the ring. Other it had to do with where he came from. And, and some people just jump on that, um, as we know, especially here in America. Um, and then he had some fights where you're like, hmm, boy, you, you, you're you're jumping too much. Like, what? Why are you jumping that much in your punches? Like, there's just something where it didn't. He didn't look as technically good, and just it was kind of like, huh? Maybe we've overrated this guy a little bit. You know what I mean? And I did think that he looked more like himself in that fight. So that's what I'm. That's like my biggest interest in this fight. To be honest with you, I, I'm kind of like, all right, let's see if he can come back and look good. You know, let's see if he can come back and, and, and really look good. I mean, it's not like he has a lot of fights, obviously. He's only like 8-0 or whatever. Um, but against Walker, uh, what was it, Colombo? Col- Col- it's just a couple back-to-back fights where you're like, hmm, you know. But it, it's easy to sit there and get lost on saying stuff like that when he when he hasn't had many fights, you know. So... Like I said, there is some other fight news that we'll get to. I do want to address some recent quotes from Anthony Joshua about him being let down by his corner, um, which I do understand because his corner was saying, hey, man, just stick to the jab. You're doing great. Everything's fine, right? But some of the stuff that he was saying, it's like it's his fault, too. It's not just... 
you know, um, McCracken's fault, you know, because when he says, you know, I mean, he says stuff like, swear I thought I was winning. Like, I thought I was looking like Muhammad Ali in there. I'm not blaming any, anyone by saying that, but I didn't get an impression I was losing the fight. I thought we were well in it, and that's when they. That's why when they announced it, I was like, huh? You know, um, he, he clearly lost the fight, but it wasn't some kind of whitewash. And we're not going to break down the fight today on the rematch and all that. That'll be a different time. But sometimes these quotes come out of Joshua where you're like, I don't know. If you thought you were winning and you thought you were looking like Muhammad Ali, that's on you too. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just put that on your trainer. And like I said, we said it here too. After The trainer did not show enough, hey, dude, you got to do this, man. You got to go. But then again, it should have been that from Jump Street that you had to be the aggressor. You had to be the bigger guy. You had to try to put punches together to hurt him to get some respect of this guy. And otherwise, you were going to run into a skill fest, um, which he gave you a skill fest. But you all and you were trying to match him with skills. But he added some power in there and some big power shots where you're like, huh, wow, you know. Um, and both of them hit, hit each other with some good shots. Too. It's not just all Anthony Joshua was just out on his feet and he was done. Uh, Usyk took some pretty good shots there too, but um, yeah, man, I don't know. So there, like I said, there is other fight news that we'll get into. Um, let's go ahead and bring in John here to the frame and see what he thought about a big upset. Um, you know, over the weekend, like I mentioned, I broke down that fight. The uh, Opataya over Breedis. Uh Joe Joyce gets a win. Now he's going to be back, it sounds like, September 24th, and he's looking for a, a bigger challenge. And then probably next year he's looking for a really, really big challenge. Because um, I just don't know if he's going to turn around September 24th and get a high, high-level opponent. Uh, we will see, and then we'll look ahead, like I said, about, uh, you know, we talked about Jasura Pulev too a little bit. Of course, we just went over the dream of Soto, but then that Mark Masayo and the Ray Vargas, and there's some interesting, you know, there might be something that pops off on the undercard as well. We'll we'll talk about it with John here in just a second. What's going on, John? How you doing? Happy uh, hey, Chris, Independence Chris, Day. Happy Fourth. Yeah, happy Fourth of July. Uh, listening to you set up set up the weekend and uh, go over some of the stuff from la- from this this weekend that we're really just ending since it's a long weekend, at least in the U S and, uh, I ha- I'll have my thoughts to, th- to throw in there on some of the, some of the same topics. There we have it. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a strange night to do a, to a show, but I am trying to, like I mentioned to you, I am trying to get these Mondays in for the summer before uh, college football and the Vikings football podcast start to, to pump up there late August, early September. So going to try to stick to these Mondays. And, you know, it's not to like three hours here until uh, the the fireworks actually go off. It gets dark enough and all that. So on the West Coast, you guys can definitely catch uh, plenty of the show and still catch the fireworks. East Coast, it's cutting it a little tight. Um, overall, we'll talk about this weekend, but, you know, 
sometimes the fact that there's so many of fights available, we've talked about that for a while now, whether it's televised or a decent replay that is good quality, that's not sped up, it's not choppy. There's just so many fights, right? So we can have a whole hump weekend where you think, well, Joe Joyce isn't going to lose that fight. And, you know, um, it's not that I didn't think, you know, Breedis had a, like, he was just going to blow that dude out. Um, but that obviously didn't happen, especially in the first part of the fight. Um, you know, my point is, it's been such a good weekend, John, that we got a, a, a really sizable upset in a weekend that people really kind of just kind of passed off to the side. Like, eh, it, you know, it's it, considering our other weekends and our other high-level fights, uh, it didn't seem like it was going to be much, but we did end up getting an upset. Yeah, and uh, speaking on the, uh, the broadcast part, um, it was surprising to me. In this case, it was a good thing. Um, you know, they, they didn't promo it or anything in advance, and I didn't even hear the knowledgeable people or, or read the knowledgeable people on Twitter or social media talking about it before the weekend, but in the U.S., uh, both the Opatia Breedis fight and the Joyce Hammer fight ended up being on ESPN Plus, and that was a good thing. So uh, caught both of those on ESPN Plus, and I follow everything. You know, you do too. Certainly have no problem saying, even saying this, I watch as many fights as, as anyone, I think. But with that said, you know, what I'm finding is starting to, you know, like you said, Chris, all the, all the fights on. And, you know, it is a good argument for in the modern world of boxing, broadcasting that, you know, now we can view every fight. Like, you know, even in, in go, a golden era, like say, you know, 80 to 83 around there, as good as it was, you know, you, you couldn't watch every fight like this. But then as I've heard even Espinosa say, which I think is right, I mean, you know, if you're thinking about a casual fan, they don't even know what to watch, which is actually true when there's that much on there. And then, you know, for, for the hardcore fan, you know, you know, can you watch all of it? So kind of what I'm leading into that I've been doing on some of these, like you said, a weekend that you wouldn't think would have been as big, um, you know, because some of these undercard fights aren't that good, uh, is, you know, really, I, I wish they'd just let you know, but I, but I was able to hit them both on the button this weekend is, you know, this is a good thing if really you, know, you can catch the main event or the main event and the other fight you want to watch, the co-main event, and not have to be led into sitting through the, the full undercards, especially when, you know, in the U.S. Or this would be if you're in the U.K. and Australia and things, it would be the opposite. You know, when it's, on a, when it's on at a weird time in your country, you don't, you don't want to be sitting through the, the two five-and-five guys fighting at 122 pounds on the, on the undercard, you know, that, that, that of us, that of us need that. So I think the answer to all this, we've said it a lot of times is they, they should really just start telling you exactly when these main events and co-mains are going to start and, and, you know, let, let the fans make the selection of what they want to watch. But now getting, getting to the end of the ring. Yeah. I was, uh, I was really impressed by Opataya. That was a surprise to me. It was interesting to me that he wasn't that big of an underdog. That led you to think, hmm, what's going on here? It was a little hard to figure, but 10 years younger than Breedis and, you know, hadn't really fought anybody, but of course he was undefeated. But 
the first six rounds of that fight, he he was extremely extremely impressive. Was really just beating up Breedis, dominating the fight. Let's face it, and Breedis was all busted up. And then, you know, he clearly and then Opatia clearly won the fight. There wasn't any doubt about that. This was a case where the scorecards ended up being real solid. So what I'm, you know, Breedis obviously rallied some in the second half, hurt him a little bit, but. Look to me, you could see the ten-year age difference. I mean, Opatia looks so much quicker. And, and what I like, really like that he was doing in the first six rounds, that I don't think you see enough. You see it from some fighters, but not all. Like you know, you, you see that from like an Errol Spence too. Like you know, guys that's got boxing skill, but just because you have boxing skill, you, you you don't have to you don't have to be boring and not try to put some hurt on the other guy. In other words, you know, don't be so overcautious that just because you have some boxing skill that you're being so safety first, you're just pecking away and, you know, maybe you're, you're edging some rounds, but you're not putting any hurt on. Uh, that's what I like from him. And this was his first time on a bigger stage, but he was perfect. He was boxing Breedis using his speed, but he was putting hurt on him. You could see that visibly with Breedis's face. And uh, it was really impressive the way he did it too, because it was really like, that's what I would call power boxing, you know, guy like Shane Mosley is always good at that too. You know, a guy who's got boxing skill, but he, he's going to come out at you with some power too and try to try to also put some hurt on while also using the skill and the speed. So he, he, that was a perfect job of that because Breedis is a good fighter. He's proven that. In the first half of the fight, so the only question then I think going forward for Opataya is, um, you know, and, and some of those rounds, arguably, you, you could have still given to him. They, he wasn't getting dominated or anything, but he was, you know, gradually letting Breedis back into the fight. The only question is, is why did that happen? You know, it's been reported he had the broken jaw. And I, I always take that seriously. But, you know, Chris, we've gone through this before, my thinking on this. I, I, I don't take I don't take it at full value. You know, I'm not saying he didn't have it, but. In other words, we, you know, we get in these situations, you, you never get, you know, you don't get medical records and, and, you know, promoters, let's face it, promoters lie. And, you know, now, now you don't have the commentators really independent anymore. Um, you know, they broadcast certain, certain guy, you know, certain fighters a lot for certain networks and, and, you know, you, you don't have the, you don't have the independence or the, the kind of the journalistic type situation you used to have so you can't necessarily trust that you know we, we know that from all kinds of different broadcasters we hear so i'm not saying you didn't have it but i'm just saying that i can't and then like breedis did say after the fight you know opatai was talking about the broken jaw and said well breedis said i had the nose so we're even and you know i kind of know his i kind of know his point you know what i mean like you know this is this is boxing you know people are people are getting hurt in there you know uh so i think it was really impressive. He's, he's a new player on the scene. He's the true cruiserweight champion. And, you know, with the size of the heavies nowadays, that's the one added division we really probably do need. So, you know, I, I do, I do pay attention to that. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, he's the cruiserweight champ, uh, lineal, so to speak. And, you know, that that's big coming. He wasn't, he wasn't ranked in transnational before the fight. I don't believe he was ranked by the ring. So to do that, beat Breedis, who was clearly the champ. Uh, that That's big, but the only question going forward is what was that second half fade about? I, I, I would think probably first time on the big stage and fighting so well, um, just all that kind of 
tension, and then if he did have the jaw, might, might have built up to just maybe making him fade a little bit in the second half, and and maybe it's not something that we're always going to see as he gains more experience now after being in a tough fight with Breedis like that, but. Everything about his performance was about perfect except for that fade. That's the only question I want answered. In, in other words, if we see it again, then we're, then I'm going to say he's got a stamina problem. But uh, I'm not ready to say that yet. But every, everything else was really impressive. And I thought Breedis was just about to go. I, I really did in the first, you know, about six rounds. I mean, you know, Opatai, again, just this question, what slowed him up? But he, he had Breedis about to go. He was much quicker, much sharper punches the whole fight. And even in the second half when you saw Breedis rallying some, he had, he had a, that, that's when a fighter, when they do get older, you see that sometimes when they're still somewhat effective, but they're starting to fade. He had that look to me. It's, it's that look, you know, where they're kind of like pushing the punches. Like, like even if maybe they're hurting the opponent still because power's the last to go. They're, they're not as sharp. They're, they're kind of pushed. You know, it's, it seems like a labor to, to get him in there. Breedis had that look to me, uh, really throughout the fight, even when he was rallying. So um, at 37, you know, I see they're talking about a rematch. Um, I don't I don't think the result's going to change in that one, in, in a rematch. Uh, I think, you know, Breedis is probably on the wrong side of the hill now. And Opatia was so much quicker throughout that fight that if, if whatever that stamina issue was uh, – is cleared up for a rematch or he just keeps, he just keeps on the gas. Like he was in the first six of this fight. I think he'll be able to take Reese out. So not, not to me, not a lot of suspense in that rematch, uh, but that was a good fight, a really good fight and a big upset. And it's always exciting when you see a, a new player on the scene and Opataya that he was that. Um, and then in the Joyce, Joyce hammer, you know, ridic- ridiculous mismatch, but, Joyce is fun to watch fight. You know, I keep comparing him to a 47-year-old George Foreman. That's just what he reminds me of. I mean, he can take a shot. You know, you see those those punches coming a mile away, but but they they hurt guys, and you can just see they hurt them, and they they start start adding up on them, breaking them breaking them down, and uh, they get these. But they're open to be hit and, and getting these. Uh, you know, but but that physically imposing force move forward. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed watching George Foreman, you know, even in his young days, but but his whole comeback was really entertaining, the story and the way he fought like that. And Joyce is too. So, you know, Joyce is already 36, you know, turning pro late. Uh, but he's one of those guys that's just going to be a fun ride to watch as long as it goes. Uh, I, I figure I'm just kind of reading into the boxing politics. I mean, there's a different way. It, but I, I I would think he's going to end up being the next Fury opponent. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, I think, you know, Warren and top rank, I mean, this was a minor fight for Joyce, you know, hammer, late notice, but was on ESPN Plus, still doing their top rank code deal with him. You know, that's the same deal that, that Fury has had. And, you know, Fury can't leave the U.K., um, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I mean, unless, like, let's say, I mean, I don't, I don't think Hearn, you know, no, no, you know, we've, Chris, you and I have talked about this a lot, and, you know, we both have the same philosophy on it. It's just what we see, especially more recently. I mean, you know, if, if Joshua beats Usyk, you know, is, is Hearn, no matter what anybody says, it's what he's going to do. 
is, is he really going to send Joshua to fight Fury? I, I, I don't, you know, I don't really see it. And if, if let's say Usyk wins again, Warren could send Joyce with the alphabet ranking stuff. He he could send them after Usyk. You know, they fought in the World Series of Boxing, and Usyk wins. But one, but I think he only wants he he'd only want to do that if he's sure Joyce could beat Usyk. And you know, are you going to be sure? Because then he doesn't have him for Fury. You know, in house. So unless he unless he feels certain that Joyce could beat Usyk, and I don't think he would feel that. Um, I think that it's going to end up being Fury and Joyce the way I see things playing out right now. Maybe not too far down the road. So, might might it might be entertaining fight as long as it lasts. But you know, if you're Warren and Aram, I mean, why aren't you know why not keep that money in house with your broadcast partners instead of you know getting Joshua or, or Usyk involved? I mean, you know, the, you know, the all the belts thing is overrated. I mean. You know, Fury's the lineal champ. Um, he's got the WBC alphabet belt. I mean, that's a, that's enough for, you know, Aram and Warren to work with in the UK. I mean, they, they don't need to go get anything else. And, and you know, I, I would think if Joshua wins the rematch with Usyk, Hearn would be so happy to have those belts back. I know the way he looks at things, you know, that you, you would think he'd, he'd want to have Joshua <laughs> – Going on, going on a run with that again with whoever he puts him in with. So, um, yeah, I, I think Joyce fun to watch, and I'm going to say he's probably in pretty good position for a Fury fight. Yeah, I think you're right about you know. I definitely think you're right about that, and you know, um, obviously, Dillian White has been on the scene fighting. Um, you know, obviously AJ and some other names, pretty well known. But my point is, he's fought a he's fought a lot, you know, over there. And and you know, they didn't need a Joshua or an Usyk to do what they did in that stadium, you know, to to, to right. get that kind of gate. And so exactly, and he won by knockout. So all of a sudden, now you're going against a guy who people will think maybe he's a bigger puncher than Dillian White. And he's undefeated, and he's, you know, got this crazy jaw that, you know, people think he's going to be able to survive the big shot. Some people think he's going to get dusted because he doesn't, you know, he has, his defense is bad. Uh, um, but it, it does seem like he can take some pretty good punches, but we got to see him in there with a real deal puncher. But, yeah, I agree. I think you're right about that. I think that there is something to be said about that. Um, and who knows how guys after that August fight comes out of it. You know, you never know. We, as we see, people get hurt, uh, need a little bit more time to get back in. Maybe it was a more of a brutal fight. Maybe Usyk will win, but it's going to be tougher for him this time. Um, and so he takes more punishment. And, and maybe they're like, well, maybe we won't fight for six months or something like that. Maybe even longer. You never know. So, uh, But I can see that. I can definitely see that. I, I'd be down for that fight. Obviously, you know, yeah, as a fan, you'd like to be like, hey, why not fight the winner of AJ and Usyk? And, you know, to, because we've been on such this undisputed kick. But you're right. You know, we have a lineal in this one just because we don't have a disputed. We do have a lineal. Right. But you got a point, too. I mean, I, you did remind me, got to be fair, from the fan point of view. I mean, the Usyk-Joshua winner 
would be in the lineal sense the number one contender ranked ahead of George. So it is right. In other words, you, you don't need the alphabet belts like a lot of fans think. In other words, it would then still be right as a fan to say to the promoters, hey, you know, Usyk or Joshua is the number one contender here. That's the fight I want. You know, even though Joe Joyce is good, I don't want Joe Joyce Fury. So, you know, it, it makes sense in a traditional ranking sense that you would want to see the winner of Usyk Joshua against Fury. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I don't want to see it, but I, I just, you know, my my kind of rule of thumb is I always like to talk realistically about what boxing politics wise is the most likely to happen i think as fans you can call for something else but you know to me in modern boxing it gets a little frustrating when you see fans calling about all these theoretical matchups that you know you and i look would look at chris knowing all the the promotional ties and the politics deeply because we follow them regularly and say come on that's never going to (laughs) happen you know what i mean like it's kind of just becomes like a waste to talk about it like you you know you'll see you know, you see these things suggested, like uh, somebody says, uh, you know, I, I want to see, uh, well, you know, here's an example, because even though it's the silly WBA nonsense, I think that they they were ordering it or whatever, and it's not going to happen. Like, you know, I, I, I want to see Stan Leonis fight, you know, Connor Ben. Well, you know, it's not going to it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not going to happen. Right. It, it, like, you know, you, sure, I'd like to see it too, but you know, we could, we could talk about it, you know, for, for the next year, but it's, it's not going to happen. So I would have liked you know, to see Lomachenko against Mikey Garcia, but guess what? Right. It wasn't going to happen. You know, it wasn't yeah, going to exactly. happen. Period. Right. And it never did. And, and that's the thing. Most of the time in modern boxing, most of the time, these fights don't happen. I mean, we're getting some, I agree with the people that say, okay, well, I want to look at the good part. Yeah, we are getting some and that's good. You know, Sometimes it's been happening, but but most of the times these don't happen because they're don't want a chance. They're you know guys that they look as some of their bigger meal tickets against each other, unless the fight's so big. And 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 look, people still forget it's that's where you know the exclusive TV deals that has been bad for boxing. They got to rule. You know, like when you count, there's been so few like joint like like remember what was there two Showtime HBO joint pay per views, and there's been one, well, I guess there's been two with the two wild, two of the Wilder Furies, you know, you know, two. Yep. Now, the equivalent, the modern equivalent, you know, the the show, ESPN crossover. There's been two, and then HBO. What was it like twenty? Twenty years there were like two HBO shows yeah. in like twenty years. I mean, this is what sometimes yep. I think the fans outside of the U.S. don't get. I mean, the, these people control. And, and they're just not going to, you know, they're just not going to do it. I mean, they're they're just not going to do it. They they care about their 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 broadcasting deals. And and I think Hearn's really tied to the zone with that. Like you really pointed out well last week, Chris. You know, you, you, when Hearn left working with Show with Joshua, right. that seemed to leave a lot of bad blood. And and that's when Hearn he really got focused on the zone. And and that's yeah, that and he turned to up the heat change. too. I mean. He literally yep. said they're going to go out of business, you know, like <laughs> right, more than right. one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to be realistic about what fights are going to happen. And that's why I'm right now I'm looking at Fury Joyce because that's seeming to me to be something like, yeah, I, I could, I could see this happen and I can see Aram and 
Warren putting this on, and like you said, that could be in a, in a stadium in the UK and and uh, make make good money. And you know, really, Fury's fought enough in the U.S. now, and at least you know it's just ESPN Plus. But and then Joyce fought for PBC a little bit. I mean, he hasn't had big appearances, but at least he's been around. You know, some ESPN. You know, and then he had Jennings. Yeah, he fought on ESPN or ESPN Plus. So you know, it might be fight might fight might do okay you know even in even in the u.s i i don't i don't think they should try to pay-per-view it like they did with white fury but um if they if they put it on the i mean i i could see that fight doing well on espn if they're if they go with it yeah. in the u.s so or ESPN you see that plus they could just put it on like you said whichever maybe they would have to have some some tv money just in general anyway just to make up for it because, you know, after all, Fury said it's going to take $500 million to get him back in the ring, which is obviously <laughs> yeah. a joke. He's kidding. But, but that's Fury is making a lot of money now. So maybe maybe just because, of, yeah, just he's – and, you know, you see, the, you see the Forbes figures for him. And he, that's true. He might be on a level now that – even though we we really don't like it, and that and that won't necessarily do well. I mean, maybe maybe he's just at a oh, point yeah. where they got to pay per view in the U.S. because his his uh, his paid level so high at this point. I mean, you know, you've got where you know Joshua, you know Fury, Wilder. I mean, those guys are you know those guys are getting up more into that like Canelo type territory in terms of they're not. Right, you know, necessarily as high, but I mean, it, you know, you look at the numbers those guys are making. I mean, and putting out, they're 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 getting they're getting up near that kind of level. I mean, those are really the only four guys that you know. You're, really, you're talking about that mega mega money. You know, Canelo, right? Fury, Joshua, Wilder. They they've been um, you know, big eight big yeah. eight figure money. As far as uh, before we get to this weekend, which there's some interesting fights uh, potentially, at least on paper, more than there was. Um, two things: how high of level or, or you know quality of opponent do you think they'll get by September 24th, the, the first working date for Joy Joyce? And then secondly, um, do you think Breedis could win that rematch? If they had one, no, I don't. I, I don't think Breedis can win that rematch. I'm, I'll go out there already. I mean, uh, yeah, it came on the second half. I, I got to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the explanation that maybe if he had the jaw injury, plus the first time being on the big stage, he gasped a little bit. Uh, that that's why he slowed up in the second half. But what I saw Opatia doing to him in the first half of the fight, and he's ten years younger, put a lot of hurt on Breedis in that fight. Um, I, I I think I think it's going to be I I do think next time it'll just be target practice for Opataya. He, he's got he's got the speed and he he looks like he's got pretty good power too and and he'll just I just think he'll just be too fast for him and he's got good size for the weight for a cruiser too he's a little bit taller a little bit bigger reach so I I think he'll just be too fast for him and uh, I think it'll probably look more like the first half of the fight and. Uh, you know, I think you. I think you'll have a chance to stop him. The the only thing I could see too is what was the reason for this fade in the second half of the fight. You know, if the guy, 
Opatia. He he's younger. He shouldn't. But if he turns out he's got stamina issues or something, that that would be the only thing I could see see maybe changing it. Um, but but again, let's say even if he does, I mean, he he put so much hurt on Breedis in the first half of that fight. You know, is Breedis at, at he's thirty seven now? He's going to be what you know six months older or something like that, nine months older. And if Opatia has to heal this jaw uh, that that they're saying. I mean, can he can he come out and get beat up like that for six rounds again? Um, I don't I don't I don't know. If, I don't think he can. So um, no, I, right. I think that one. Good point. I I think that one. I don't think that one changes. So uh, going into this weekend, yeah, we got. I guess you meant you mentioned went through a pull of Chisora. When we're ta- when we're talking about fringe heavyweight contenders, and I know when, when the division's been weaker, Pulov was even up higher, uh, kind of in that really bad ending part of the Klitschko era, you know, before Fury and Joshua proved what they had. Um, yeah, matter of fact, uh, Klitschko blew away Pulov the fight before he lost to Fury, so that shows you right there. I, well, I just don't I just don't think really when we're talking about true top 10 level heavyweights. I, I just don't think Pulov and Chisora are that good. I, I just, you know, they're older now, but I don't think they ever, they were ever that, that good to me. Some people have liked Pulov. I, like I said, I just think it was the weak end part of that Klitschko era. You know, he, he's good enough. He's been good enough to beat the guys like Chisora, yeah. Huey Fury. That That's clear. I mean, he clearly won those fights. Like, but those guys aren't even really legit top ten heavyweights. You know what I mean? When you're just one champ of division and ranking ten guys, they're 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 kind of on the fringe. And that that to me that is like a pullev, and and then Chisora even below him. Like these are two guys that, I mean, like we say, this is the problem with boxing politics. I mean, you know, to me, like like what what I what you could maybe care about as a fan and would be more interesting and should be happening like. You know, Polev should be fighting somebody like Jared Anderson, you know, and then Chisora should, if these guys want to keep going, you know, because they are getting older, they're choosing not to retire. And then, you know, Chisora should be fighting some some uh, other young, and you got like Jalalov, you know, he, he obviously needs to get some some better opposition. And, you know, he, he's got the amateur pedigree. He, he's probably ready for these types of guys. I mean, people always say, oh, no, no, but ah, come on. You know, I mean, you know, Chisora is a guy, basically, I mean, he landed a bomb, a couple bombs against Takam, who I think Takam's on the level of these guys. He's another one to me that, that fits in the, the pull of Chisora bin kind of, but, but with that, just saying that, because otherwise, I mean, when, whenever Chisora fights a guy, you know, close to a legit top 10 level, he loses. So, I mean, that's been his whole career. So I, I mean, I think here and Pulev does have some amateur pedigree. I, I actually don't think, as far as you know, heavyweights have to have some pop. But as far as heavyweights go, I don't think Pulev's a puncher. Um, he, he boxes the level of a guy just on fringe top ten. He, he can out he can outbox those type of guys. That's kind of he's forty one now, but that's kind of how I see this. I mean, I mean, I agree. For, Forrest was, you know, Forrest is limited, but he he was on a a two fight run where he had fought a little better where he, you know, he, he got plastered all over the place by Zhang and then he rallied and almost had him out. And then he uh, pulled the upset draw in the rematch with Michael Hunter as a short notice opponent, but then didn't do anything with pull So, 
that shows you Polov still got enough skill for that level of guy. Um, he should be able to outbox Chisora. Uh, you know, McGurr is a master to me, you know, trainer and strategist. It's, it's kind of funny when you see the difference. I mean, he worked for Chisora for that first uh, Parker fight, and some people thought Chisora won. I didn't think he did enough to pull it out, but then he didn't bring McGurr in for the second fight. Didn't look any good. And, uh, you know, kind of just back, back, where he, back, back where he's been, you know. So uh, I, I think Pulev wins. I will call a Pulev decision here. But, you know, you did mention the betting. And, you know, you know Pulev, you, you can see the money going on Pulev. I think, he, you know, he was around minus 200-ish in the U.S. And now it's a little bit higher. Like you said, not a massive favorite, but a, but a solid favorite. But I don't necessarily – these aren't two guys that I necessarily feel real good about putting money on. I mean, if I had if – I'm going to pick Pulev for a decision win. So I think you can put money on them, but but these two guys, with both of their limitations to me, I I just wouldn't feel great about betting on either of these guys, and especially with they're, they're both older, you know now. Yeah, they can um, both fall I, off the cliff at any moment. They don't even need to be pushed. Yeah, or not care, or not let's face it, or not really care. You know, I mean they're they're both at the end. Um, you know, you always kind of got to watch that. I mean, you know, there's some pride there, but. But you never, you just never know. Yeah, you you never know with that type of thing. So I, I would, I would, if I was betting wise, I would, I wouldn't want to put a, I wouldn't want to put a lot on either of these guys in this fight. I'll, I will call a pull of decision win, but I don't, I don't feel good about either of them. They, in terms of, in terms of abilities, neither of these two have been two of my favorites over the years. Jasora has been in some entertaining fights in recent years. Uh, pull of not as much, um, but right. I think Polev should Polev should be able to, and like you said, it's kind of strange. But he he did have that wacky fight with Frank Mir, even though he took him right out in that crazy combat fighting or whatever. Yep, yep. Why I mention it though is though that you made a point that it's strange for his age, but he he's been he's been fighting. You know, he's been fighting. <laughs> he's been fighting lately. So, um, you know, he's forty one, but he but he has had some act, he has had some recent activity. So. I, I'll go with Pulev for the decision on that one. And uh, the show, the, you know, then you, you did mention, it's kind of has slipped under the, the radar, the Soro-Madramov rematch. Um, yeah, and that one, I, I didn't see a need for this one, to tell you the truth. I think it was good, Chris. You look back at the cards, you know, and, and I think that those are fair. I mean, Soro wasn't up. And, and I say this, let me say it, for years, I've been saying that Soro was one of the most underrated fighters in boxing you know you almost beat Castagna who we know can fight from those Charlo fights um I you know I saw him uh, he had a draw when Antoine Douglas hadn't been beat up by Kurt Cedi yet and he still was a a top prospect he had a draw with him um you know so even though he was fate you know it turned out to be on his fading he had come he was coming off a decent one at that time you know, he blew away Glenn Tapia um you know, he's had some other good fights. Just, just an, I thought he was an underrated fighter, but what I'm leading into is I thought he would have performed better against, you know, Madrimov. I didn't, I didn't think he looked that good in that fight. I was a little bit disappointed yeah, me in too. him. And, and I thought he was on his way out. I, I, you know, yeah, the bell, the controversial stop. I, I thought the guy was on his way out. I, to me, 
And I know knowledgeable people who feel differently. But, hey, we've all got our, our opinions as observers who watch all this stuff. And mine is I didn't see the, the real big controversy here. I, I saw some real knowledgeable people getting outraged and all this. And, and I just saw a guy that was on his way out. And uh, I thought, I don't need to see this again. So I, I think the dream off will take him out as long as he fights like he did in that fight. And, and Chris, I think you did a good job leaving – Reminding everybody what led up to that fight, and and it, it was you know Madrimov, you know a lot of amateur pedigree, pretty highly touted, but he he was having some poor performances where he was doing that amateur jumping in and out. You know he he wasn't punching hard and jumping in and out too much. And in this last fight with Soro, you like when you see this, like you did see the adjustment. It, you could see that in his camp. That they were, and he was aware that, hey, look, you know, I, I'm not in the amateurs anymore. You know, I, I got to use my power more. Especially, he's not a tall guy. You know, he, he was a guy doing all that jumping in and out, and he's short for the 154 pound weight class. Um, so, it's not really a conducive style for for what he brings physically to that class either. So, it, it seems like they made the adjustment. He did look better in that fight against a good fighter in Soro. He was punching with more authority. Uh, especially right before the stoppage, he, like you said correctly, you know, he, he was coming on, getting more aggressive, punching harder. He was hurting Soro. I mean, he, he at that at those points in the fight, you could see he was starting yeah. to hurt him. And I, I definitely thought, I mean, I just thought Soro was done. I mean, I, so I, I just, I this seems overblown to me. When you have a fight like this, I tend to then think that. Soro probably knows going into this one, no matter what's being said and everything, he probably knows he was done. So that that's kind of a hard mental hurdle, in other words, for the rematch where, yeah, you want the rematch and you're saying, you know, it was poor refereeing and everything, but now you got to be with the guy again. And, and, you know, the guy, you know, the guy was hurting you and coming on strong and had, and I thought had him out. So now when the bell rings, he's got to deal with that. And I think, but Dreamwalk should know that and, and step up the pace on him a little quicker. And I think from what I saw in that first fight, he should be able to take him out this time uh, without any controversy. So uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Madrimov on the on the KO on, on that one. And then we have a good we have a good solid show card as well this weekend. Um, we got Mike Sayo and uh, you know, Ray Vargas. Um, I, I, I was thinking as we were going on tonight, Chris, I remember you and I talking about this. It was, I believe, on the Canelo undercard when Vargas came back. You liked his performance a little better uh, in that one than I did. I, I didn't like it that much. I, I thought he doesn't step it up enough. He, he could be getting guys out of there. Uh, good boxing skill, a lot of height for the division. He can't outbox people, but I think Vargas is one of those guys. He's got the power to get some people out of there, but he just doesn't fight aggressively enough. Uh, I saw some of that in that, that comeback fight on that Canelo undercard. Didn't like it that much. But with that said, it, it's kind of funny because Mike Sion's coming off a legit win over, you know, Gary Russell Jr., who was really, to me, the top, you know, fighter in the featherweight division. But he didn't really do anything special in that fight. Um, you know, Russell was fighting one-handed. You know, rumor was the shoulder injury. Um but but still, I wouldn't take anything that away from Mike Sayo if I saw him do a lot of great stuff in there. And, and you know, he won the fight legitimately, but he didn't look he didn't look all that great. 
Now, he's had yeah. some big KOs on the way up against some lesser opposition. I do believe he can punch, but uh, I, don't, I just don't – I don't know how, how much he brings. I, I think, you know, the odds makers have it close to even. That surprised me. Um, you know, Vargas has had some stops and starts, has had less activity. I haven't liked some of these fights the way he's looked because I just think he's boxing too much and not punching with enough authority. But I just think with his size, his overall skill level, I do believe he has some pop if he ever wants to sit down there and use it or needs it. Um, I don't, despite the big win, I just don't think Magsaya was all that impressive against Russell. So I, I didn't take anything real big from that. And I, I think Vargas should be able to win a decision here. And this, to me, is one, even though this is the one that's about even, I, I would think this is, to me, this is the one to put the money on. Uh, I was mm, surprised yeah. yep. this was about even money. So I, I know there's more risk there, but there's more, like you said, there's more payout. So to me, I am looking at this one and saying, yeah, I think this is the one where you can get some payout. Ray Vargas had some, some inactivity, but basically he's been good for a long time. Yeah, it was like time. two and a half years. I did want to mention that. He was out for two and a half years before that fight, so I think that played into it a little bit anyway. Yeah, that is a long time. I mean, that is a long time. He switched over from, you know, Golden Boy to PBC, and then you had the pandemic and and uh, a lot of thing, a lot of different things going on at different times. But, yeah, that that is one. And that's a factor. See, that's the thing. You're right. That's a factor, but – I feel like he's been a guy on, on the cusp winning winning a relatively big fight for a while. Um, I, I, I like I like the odds being even for him, uh, being about even. I think that's I a agree. pretty good money pull. I'm not going to say it's again. You know, hey, he, he could lose, of course, but I, I like I like Vargas, and I, and from a betting angle, I like Vargas on that one too. I think I think that's one I'm looking at this weekend, and I haven't seen any line on the Soro. Um, a dream no, I haven't yet. either. I'll, I'll keep, keep an eye out for that. And then we also have what you know, Carlos uh, Castro is fighting. Uh, oh yeah, Figueroa is uh, coming back. Brandon Figueroa. Yeah, yep. Figueroa. Yeah. I like. I've always liked Figueroa a lot. I think he could have gotten the decision against Fulton. He's going to fight at featherweight now. Um, I've just always liked Figueroa. I, I think he, he he does that aggressive pressure style. You know good puncher, throws a lot of shots. I do think there's some skill there that, that he doesn't go to, you know, and I'm not saying he'll do that in this fight, but I just mean why I've always had confidence in him too is I don't, I don't think he's a guy that's like limited on talent or anything, even though he fights with that style. I just think it's the way he's, he's chosen to fight and uh, it's effective for him. Um, you know, he gets good leverage, even though he comes in close and he's tall. He doesn't use his height, but but he still then then gets the leverage when he gets in close and and throws some hard shots. Um, I just I just liked Figueroa. I, I thought he performed really well against Fulton, even though he didn't get the win. So uh, Castro is 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 pretty good. But, um, I just I just think Figueroa is on a little higher level than than Castro. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Figueroa on that one. Yeah, I think that it's a good opponent for what it is. Uh, you know, a, a fight coming off, uh, you know, a, a loss, a, a com- like you said, a really competitive fight. You know, going up in weight, you know, he's got the body type for it, as we know. So, you know, this is like uh, your first fight at the weight fully. Okay, you're not facing a complete walkover, that's for sure. 
And, of course, it's for the WBC featherweight eliminator. You know what I mean? So they can line up the winners. Um, That's what I actually, not necessarily that part, but I like that that can be the next fight. You know what I mean? I think uh, Ray Vargas, you know, Ray Vargas and and Figueroa, sign me up for that. I'll, 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 I'll gladly watch that to close out the year. Definitely, and I think, like we said, because of politics, I think Fulton's going to get into that at featherweight as well. And then I think uh, Hearn can yep. use uh, right, right. M- M- MJ, MJ uh, with those U- European featherweights. Well, he's got Lara too. Um, he-, he can use him with those yeah, guys if he wants. To. So I-, I think that's probably the way that plays out. I, I don't think we're going to see uh, MJ and Fulton. I-, I don't. I just don't think we're going to see it. So, uh, I, I, but I think maybe they'll, and, and let's face it, like you said, I mean, hey, that, it's it's a good mix of action. I mean, it, you're gonna you've already seen a great fight with Figueroa and Fulton once. I mean, if uh, if you know Figueroa yeah, then takes fine. on Rick Vargas, match. yeah, right. And let's say Vargas or Magsire, whoever wins that, and then Fulton comes up for a, possibly a rematch with Figueroa if he wins that, or maybe a, a first fight against Vargas, or if Magsire. Magsayo comes out on top of all that or something. Um, yeah, those are all interesting fights we're all going to watch. Those are and I in Leo Santa Cruz. We still don't know what the hell's going on with that. You know that fight um, that somehow it just magically. Well, we're figuring it out. We got to figure out the the purse bid split uh, for Leo Santa Cruz and uh, oh the dude who beat Conlon. Why am I blanking his name? I wouldn't. Wood. Woods. So that's yeah, lingering wood. there. Yeah. That fight may not happen, as we know, because of politics. But, um, you know, maybe Santa Cruz can be talked in because it's not hard for him to make the weight. We know that. So that could be someone that that could build to, you know, get a good fight or two in. And all of a sudden you got, you know, that's real, those are interesting fights with Santa Cruz there and a little bit more meaningful uh, for him as well, which has been you know, beyond the Frampton fights at 126, you know, he didn't have a bunch of meaningful fights there. The Rashidi Ellis is, is on the card as well with the opener uh, against Palmetta. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a good card. You know, it's, it's a solid card. I, I, I'm with you, though, on I thought Ray Vargas would be a little bit more of a favorite, and I'm happy about that. Um, so I, I do – you know, I, I kind of like what they got going on in this card. It might be pretty good. Yeah, I think I think what we talked about is a good part about that too is I think the way everyone else is probably kind of that go is those fights, you know, blow away divisions. They're they're willing to have those options to preview a lot of times. So you know, he probably looks this is either going to be in the next let's say one to two years, these federal fights we're talking about are probably going to be the good good headliners on your showtime in the U.S. over the next you know, couple of years. That probably right. probably what they're looking for. And Gary Russell, you know, he, he may come back too. So um, Yeah, and you know, a he, couple other 122s he, may come up after a while too, not just full Figueroa, you know. Yeah, so, the, so those, are, those will probably be your good – regular Showtime fights in the U.S. over the next couple of years. Any other item 
um, that you want to touch upon? Any kind of news out there that's caught your eye? Um, any anything at all? Uh, but interesting. You mentioned about Joshua. I, I'm really interested in the Robert Garcia thing. Um, even though it's kind of Joshua not putting on himself, you know how fighters sometimes, you know, they, they just they have to have that self confidence in the ring, and you're, you're risking your life in there. Uh, the, a lot of times, it's, it's not uncommon to kind of have the excuse of going in something else. Um, I do think I'm, I am, and I, Joshua was getting bad corner advice in the fight. Um, it, I don't, I don't think it necessarily was the scorecards. I'm with you, and, and you know, I may be in a little bit of minority, but, but people do tend to do a lot of revisionist history, too, and especially in boxing terms, not too long after a fight. I mean, that, that, fight, was, that fight was up for grabs for really most you – know, people kind of forgotten that. I mean, he fought really well, and, and I'll be the first to say he had Joshua out at the end. What looked made, but you know, the quarter of the fight wasn't wasn't just a master class winning renowned like you know his fans. They just revived him like that. I think so. So I think you know it, it's it's not that Joshua was fight, but but I, it was even later in the fight. He he was just telling him to box and. Look, I, I'm I'm willing to accept at this point that, and you know, even watching the fights myself, look, there, there's probably some some evidence Joshua doesn't take the best shot, okay? And 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 some a lot of these Usyk fans say he was worried about getting countered, and I do think that's true, but he needed to turn up the aggression some. I mean, you know, U- Usyk's not a massive heavyweight puncher at this point. Um, you know, the, you guys guys gotta. You know, he's got to use his attributes. I don't think it's being reckless like some people are saying that, that people advocating for Joshua are saying, oh, he's just got to rush in. Some people are saying that, but I, I agree. I don't think that's the answer, that you know, he can't rush in and leave himself wide open for counters. But, but this trying to be a cautious, cautious boxer, I mean, I mean, let's face it, he, he, was, he was fighting Usyk, and they weren't really, weren't really trying to have him do too much different than, than he did with, like, Andy Ruiz in the second fight, you know, I mean that, you know, we could all see that. Now he was I mean, looking that, like Muhammad Ali, though. That's what he said. Too. <laughs> right, but 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 I do recall. No, you're right. You know, no, that's a good call. It. I do recall late in the fight, which I got to say in Joshua's defense, I, I do recall McCracken saying something. I mean, late in the fight where Joshua really had to turn it up, like just keep box, you know, just keep boxing him and be, you know, watch this and watch that. And I thought, what. I did think there, you know, what, what is this guy telling him? I mean, I thought it during the fight. You know, what, what the heck is he telling him? And I can, I'm going to keep getting back to it because I do think it's the key. Usyk was getting hurt with Joshua's jab when he got hit with it. And I've seen signs in the Joshua fight, and I've seen signs with Usyk against Gassiev that he does not react well sometimes when he gets hit to the body. And he's, he's you know, he's kind of BSed his way out of it in those fights. And, you know, hey, that's what you're trying to do sometimes as a boxer, let's face it, you know, but, but you could see it. And, and, you know, to his credit, in terms of just honesty, Usyk said it after the fight. So I don't have to, like, say I'm speculating. Yeah. I mean, not after the Gassia fight, but after the Joshua fight, he straight out said it. You know, that, 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 jab, that jab was, you know, was, was hurting me. I was feeling that jab, and, you know, I was feeling the body shots. And, you know, his face was marked up. I, 
people are saying it doesn't matter. Yeah, he won the fight. I, we all we agree. We all agree. But but it does matter too. I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't getting hit in there. So I think Joshua's got a base that with a frankly a better trainer like you know not hey McCracken was with him a long time and got him up there. You always have to give some credit for that. But you know Robert Garcia more accomplished overall. Uh, you know of course he's been training Bam Rodriguez. Uh, which he wasn't, you know, even able to put full time in with him because he started with Joshua. Shows you the, the importance of Joshua at this point. Um, and of course, Joshua is a, a big, a big money man too. So, uh, you know, Robert Garcia is going to be putting that time in. And, and you know, I think with his style and, and you know, from all reports, the way he runs his gym and what kind of attitude he wants and things like that. You know, I just don't. This is where I do think it's going to help Joshua. I just don't see. I just don't see like when if Joshua lands a good body shot against Usyk or or he's starting to you know nail him with the jab that's bothering Usyk. You know Robert Garcia is not going to be telling him to back off. You know Robert Gar- Robert Garcia is not going to let him back off. In other words, as much as he can help it, he's going to be telling him. So you know that that could make some difference. It's not necessarily enough to turn the fight. It still comes down to the fighter's abilities, but. I think Robert Garcia is really going to be able to help with those kind of things and, and, and watching the tape and come up with the right strategy. I don't think he'll be able to do that much with him in the gym. I agree with that at this point just for this fight. But I He'll do be honest in the corner, up. though, that's for sure. If he's losing, he's going to let him know. Yeah, and I think that's going to make a lot of difference because also – As long as he doesn't like say I it said, in yeah. Spanish like he does sometimes, John. Just Spanish, <laughs> right. <but. laughs> yeah. Luckily, luckily he's no, but you know what I mean? So. I think he will. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll let him know early. And he's going to see that. I think he's going to see that body stuff with Usyk. I mean, I think I think Robert Garcia is smart enough to see that. And, you know, he, he, you know, just the philosophies that he would have with body work and things like that. I, I mean, I mean, I, I think he, you know, he's going to watch the tapes and I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to see that. Now, you know, I do agree. Joshua has got to, he does have to worry about getting countered. That's true. And there are signs he doesn't take the best shot. So, um, but you know, if, if he really steps up the pressure on Usyk, I mean, you know, we, we, we got to see how Usyk reacts because, one thing I kind of like about Usyk, like I've said a lot of times entertainment-wise, but if Joshua really presses hard, it could be a bit of a problem. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't move around a lot, a real lot in his fights. You know, he uses footwork, but, but he's not like a real circler. You know what I mean? Like, um, so why I say that is if Joshua was pressuring him, and, you know, we, we haven't really seen Usyk have to back off and circle a lot. Uh, the way he fights, like you and I said, he had excellent head movement in that first fight, and that enables him to to not have to move around as much. But but if if uh, Joshua can do that, you know, if he if he can press him back, make him have to use his feet even more when he's got a circle. I mean, well, Usyk's thirty five years old now himself, so um, you know, he could, it could it could you know he's, he's had great stamina. There's no doubt that's one of his strengths. He's got a great motor and stamina, but but that could take a little bit out of him. So uh, it's just going to be interesting to see what, what Robert Garcia does. But, you know, as we know with these guys, Joshua's going to have to listen too. you know, it, Robert Garcia can tell him all he wants. And if he doesn't listen, it's not going to, it's not going to matter. So, uh, but, th- but that's interesting. That, right. That's, that's going to be interesting. So uh, that's about it, but this should be, uh, at least we should have some, uh, some pretty, uh, pretty interesting fights this weekend 
All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining me on a holiday night, um, and we'll definitely talk to you next Monday. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me, as always, and uh, enjoy the fireworks later on if you get to see them. Yes, sir. You take it easy. All right. Take care, Chris. All righty. Um, who's ever on right now, um, if you want to press 1 and join in, cool. If not, that's cool, too. That, that's kind of the norm. Uh, but, yeah, some of these quotes, and, of course, you know, <laughs> man, like, I, I'm just reading quotes off of what came out of his mouth. Pause. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, these are just his quotes. I'm not making up stuff or going over the top or anything like that. I mean, you know, these are the quotes coming out of mouth. He, he thought he, you know, I don't think he actually thought he looked like Muhammad Ali, but, you know, I don't know how you could think that you're winning that fight. And we, like I said, we blame the corner, too. But, the, you know, just reading some more, you know, um, he was hearing more, and this is what we said, dude, double jab, right, left hook. It wasn't like, take the fight to this fucker. Listen, you're losing the fight. Um, no, a trainer needs to tap into the psychology aspect. Sometimes you need to tell your fighter, yeah, we're losing the championship fight. Uh, but you should have known that, too, not just your trainer. You know, He said he knows what he's doing. He's a very good coach and all that they achieved together, but he agreed that too many voices were trying to advise him against Usyk. Um, and like I said, I'm, these are his quotes. I swear I thought I was I was winning. You know, I, I thought I was looking like Muhammad Ali. I'm not blaming anyone. Um, when they announced it, he thought, huh? Which is like, really, dude? Okay, that's, uh, that's you, not your trainer. He's just your trainer, you know? Um, but he also said Joshua also adopted the wrong strategy, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, rather than the height and weight badge, punching power and all that, he said one of my strengths was my power, but I've always wanted to go down the path of being a clean boxer. It's funny because not long ago, and the reason why I read that quote, he said, well, I've never really changed strategy. You know, I've never really tried to become a boxer. It's like, well, like an outside boxer, of course, I'm saying. But it's like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, that's exactly what you did to Rui, Ruiz, you know? But he said, uh, you guys can hear those fireworks going on outside my house. So if you hear that, that's what it is. Um, hit and not get hit, especially if you want a long, successful career. You have to be good at defense, yada, yada, yada. He said he's in a different environment or a different environment was needed i wasn't forced it was my own decision you know this that and the other um so you know he said uh, i missed the days of slicing people's faces opening hurting them for sure so i'm looking forward to get back to that why wouldn't you have tried to slice and hurt Usyk multiple times then you know that that's where it's kind of it, it, these are just quotes where you're like okay dude it sounds like you're saying the right stuff but I don't know, man. You know what I mean? I just don't know. But either way, um, talking about that Magsayo fight, because we did kind of – I have Madrimov to win, and I think it will be TKO stoppage, maybe a KO. I'd say by six – I'll call it like maybe close to what it was. What was it, the ninth round? Maybe sixth to eighth round, somewhere in that. I do think – 
he's going to beat them pretty cleanly. I think it'll be competitive, and then, you know, he'll end up stopping them. Um, and like I said about Ray Vargas, you know, he he was off from 2019. I'm looking at it right now June 2019 until November 2021. So that is about a year and a half. That's a long time. He actually beat Leonardo uh, Baez, the guy. Wait, is this the guy who uh, is fighting? No, I'm thinking about somebody else. I was thinking he was. Or wait, is that the guy uh, Navarrete's fight? Maybe I'm wrong with that. Um, But, you know, um, the Kamita fight, that was a good win. Um, Ronnie Rios, years ago. uh, Gavin McDonald. Year, I'm talking 2017, I should say. Oscar Navrette. Um, so, you know, he kind of came up against a bunch of, like, you know, no-namers for a while. He did build his uh, record up, for the most part, anyway. He did kind of build his record up that way. But he's been a pro for a long-ass time. He's not a not a young guy. But he is only – I mean, he's only 31. But for that for that um, weight class, yeah, he's 35 and 0. For that weight class, he does have a longer-than-average reach. He's like 5'10", with like a 70-inch reach. And at featherweight, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? And I do think Magsayo is, like John said, he, he did score some knockouts, you know, against a Seha. But that's about it. Like, when you look at his record, that's why I didn't really give him much of a chance uh, against Russell who you could clearly see was hurt in that fight. And it's still, by the way, we kind of forget that that was a majority decision. Two seven fives, I think, and one draw. Um, Russell still fought pretty good one-handed. But the Seha, that was his best win. But that was a fairly competitive fight. I mean, he got dropped in the middle rounds. Um, I think it was like the fifth or sixth round. So I think it'll be a competitive fight for quite a while. Maybe, well, I don't want to think like 8 to 10 and then he takes over. I just think Vargas will, like a lot of outside boxers do, they, they get the early lead. Magsayo will, will do some stuff that may bother him a little bit. And then, and I when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. I think his height and his reach and his skill level will just take over. And I'm not trying to say, oh, Vargas would have beat Russell Jr. either. I'm not saying that. But I just think he's got, he's just got, you know, he's a very difficult fighter to fight. Um, and so I, I definitely have him winning, as I do with Figueroa. And I think um, once his toes on the opener, uh, Rashidi will win as well. The Pulev fight, Pulev, 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 and just sort of rematch. Um, the first fight, the scorecards were close, but it was a clean win in my opinion. He controlled him with the jab. Of course, we know the jab right hand. It's either it's a jab or a straight right hand or a right uppercut. That's usually pull up. Uh, but he'll control once again with the jab. Chisora wasn't able to get, you know, there's times in this fight he wasn't able to get inside. And then on the down the stretch of this fight, he didn't. it didn't seem like he could or wanted to, whatever it was. But he'll need to be as active as he was against Parker of late and some of these other fighters. He needs to get inside, but it's, it's, Chisora needs to get off to a 
really good start where he's landing some clean punches. He, he's getting in the clinch. He's landing good shots on the inside. Um, like I said, early and often. Otherwise, I think Pulev, you know, the scorecards will look wider than they were. Um, I'm not saying it was a whitewash, but I do believe he cleanly won that fight. Whereas I thought the scorecards were probably a little close, and I remember even seeing some pundits were like, you know, 7-5 or something like that. And it's like, you know, that, that's one I did not see. I think one scorecard had it like 118-110, but the rest were like, the other two were like 7-5, or something like that, but... So I, I do think Pulib will win, like I mentioned. I just think control him with that jab, landing those big, clean right hands, um, and landing the right hand uppercut. That's probably what you're going to get out of that fight. Um, so, yeah, and, and like John said, the Ray Vargas, that's good money. You know, it's, it could be worse. Maxeo could be a little bit more of an underdog. I did think it'd be more like a, a plus 175. Maybe enter into the twos, but at least a plus 150 or something like that. That's me personally. I thought that was what he was going to be um, on, but that's not that's not the case. So, um, and then the rest of the fight schedule, we do have um, Pro Box TV. I did. Um, I haven't talked about that, right? Yeah, that's that's that same night from Plant. Plant City, Florida, I think it is. Um, a, a prospect, uh, Caesar Francis, is going against Raymond Beltron. So I, I do think this is a good fight for him um, because he's only like ten and zero. I think it's ten and zero, something like that. Eleven and zero, ten and zero, something like that. And you know, against Muhammad, um, he won by decision. Um, earlier this year, I think I want to say it was March, and I thought that was an interesting fight for him um, because at least he's a veteran and whatnot, and he had been in there with guys that you could recognize losing unanimous decisions, of course, like against Postal, or um, he did get well. He beat what Sam Eggington. Um, he lost a decision to. Uh, Tyrone McKenna or something like that. My point is he's been in there with vets. He has experience. So I think that was a nice win for Francis. Um, and now he's going against, you know, Beltron, which, you know, he um, obviously a vet. Um, he got stopped. His last big fight was a while ago. I mean, this is, it was before the pandemic, so it had to have been like 2019. And it was Colme, I just remember that part. Um, you know, Pedraza handled them. You know, he, he, Brian Vasquez is probably his best one. I'm looking at it right now in, that, in the middle part of that after the Crawford fight. I remember he hurt Crawford late because Crawford was going for the fight, or going for the knockout. So I think that this is a good fight for him where he's at. I think it's good. They, they talked about how they're going to have prospect fights. I think this is going to be an interesting uh, fight for, for Cesar, uh, or Cesar Francis. So that's on Pro Box TV, which once again was, what was it, one ninety nine and 20 bucks for the year? Two bucks for a month and one, 20 bucks for the year. Is that what I said last week? Something like that. So, and let me just double check. 
I haven't heard who Wardley and Felix Cash are going to fight just yet. Um, I'm looking at a schedule right now, and it says uh, Ricky Hatton and Barrero. Did that exhibition go down? I actually forgot about that. Um, oh, well, I, I missed out, I guess. But Oh, um, the Roger Gutierrez and Hector Garcia. Did we talk about that on the move? If that, that was on the move. Um, so it's not going to be this weekend. That that fight is on the move because that's a isn't that a Golden Boy PBC? I think that's what. So so yeah, I mean it, it, you know good fight weekend, nothing crazy. At least we have on paper a fifty fifty in a main event. The Figueroa Castro will probably be entertaining, as will Madrimov and Soto. And um, it's not like Pulev is like a major major, you know. Um, or anything like that. So, uh, news-wise, um, there's a there's a rumor going around about we we already talked minorly about oh Mayweather and, and McGregor and all that and Dana White shot that down. Then there's you know this new offer that he's aver- you know he's he's offering them this huge amount of money like well over a hundred million dollars. Um, and I think like the Sun picked it up. Some other sources that are like. Mm, but the Sun and these other sources picked it up saying this major offer, right? But for the rematch between Mayweather and McGregor, but the undercard would be Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. And if they can make that fight on that card, I would be glad because that's going to be paper. So I'm going to pay for a pay-per-view either way. But to blow up that fight, and, and I don't think this is happening by the way you know don't get me wrong i'm not saying oh dude look out for this dude it's coming you know what i mean that's not what i'm saying you know but that were the case um that would be a smart move and something that maybe even oscar couldn't even run from but but i just don't see it happening man you know Maybe in a year or like I don't know what when's uh, Connor out of his contract with the UFC. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I just don't see it happening. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it happening. But that would be a great look for both Cervante and Ryan Garcia that, to be the co-feature. Just something that will it do four million again? Probably not. I wouldn't think it would. But then again, um. The casual fan looked at like McGregor was very competitive with Mayweather, um, and then now they're going to say Mayweather's been retired for so long. Not that McGregor's been active, as we know, but the fact that it would involve a fight that's already going to be on pay per view—that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. I think that's dope. Uh, getting on to well, keeping in it within this realm. Um, so August 27th, O2 Arena in London, KSI will face Alex Wasabi in a DAZN pay-per-view main event. Now, that's a UK pay-per-view, correct? Because I saw uh, Marcos from Fight Hub say, so the KSI fight is also a DAZN pay-per-view? First, they said it was just going to be Canelo and then Joshua. Y'all consider him fighting a premier event? I don't know. I, it still doesn't sit well. There's This year alone, they'll have done at least three pay-per-views. Um, 
We haven't heard an official announcement here. In fact, we don't know what it is because the Saudis, that group who bought the fight, they own the broadcast. Technically, in the U.K., we don't know if it's going to be Sky pay-per-view or if it's going to be DAZN pay-per-view because they own the whole right. That's, it's not just a site fee like, oh, if you fight here, we'll pay you this amount of money. We'll pay you, you know, whatever, hundred over $100 million, right? We'll, we'll do that. But it's not that. It's the whole right for the fight. So, so him, I haven't heard an official word on Joshua Usyk in the U.S., being pay-per-view. Could it be? Yeah, maybe. But I haven't heard that. But the if the K-Sai fight is, is pay-per-view, then I don't know. That's that's weird. That's strange to me. Um, in other news, WBC broke the news about Josh Taylor vacating his WBC belt. Now Zapata and Ramirez, part two, is ordered for the vacant belt. The WBC had released or received a letter from Joshua confirming it. Now a lot of people are saying maybe he's going to fight Catterall and get that over with and then go up. I don't know, but I am pumped for Zapata and Ramirez. Part two. Give me that one. I like that one. Um, I talked about Navrete real quick. Emmanuel Navrete has signed the multi-year promotional agreement with top ranks, starting with his August 20, uh, 20th main event on ESPN. So that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Michael Coppinger reporting undefeated 140-pound contender Richardson Hitchens has signed a multi-year management deal with uh, Keith uh, – what the hell's his name? Conley. Con- Connolly, yeah, that's what it is. Um, here, let me read from it. That'll, that'll help. Coppinger, I know Coppinger did it. Yeah, okay, there we go. So it's a, he goes on to say, sources tell ESPN, 24-year-old uh, from Brooklyn was promoted by um, Mayweather, but now he's a free agent. So we'll see, you know, where he goes. He's had some pretty good performances, you know, but. We'll just see where he's going to go and see, you know, who he's got coming up next at 140. Um, He's had some good performances, but I fall short of calling him like a top-level prospect, you know. Um, But I think there's still potential there, you know. And he's had some moments in fights where you're like, okay, starting to put it together. I like that. Other times it's like, "Mm, doesn't seem like he's really progressing. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Shouts out to the UK. This is an interesting fight for July 30th on Sky Sports. Chris Billiam Smith against Isaac Chamberlain. A lot of UK fight fans were were pretty pumped about that, that I saw it. There's also a report that Ben Shalom of of Boxer and Sky Sports is trying to make Joshua Parker. God, I do that all the time. Joseph Parker and Deontay Wilder. He's saying, I want to try to make that fight. Hmm. Here's good news. Uh, Michaela Mayer and Alicia, uh, what the hell's her name? Bominger? What the hell's her name? Bominger? Well, we already know they're going to fight, right? Well, for the unification, or for an undisputed, or is it just unit? No, it's undisputed. Is it unification? I can't remember. But anyway, 
it sounds like it'll take place on this is Mike Rothstein's undercard of September 10th Shields Marshall fight. And I've noticed some people think, oh, this is awesome because, hey, we like our our cards stacked, right? And this should be on ESPN+. Plus. Maybe they can get lucky and put it during the day or something. Let me see. September 10th, that's probably not going to happen because uh, college football will be started by then on Saturday. But Shields and Marshall in that other fight, that's a damn good card. I heard some people say, oh, these should be separated. It's like, well, are you sure? <laughs> um, Jake Paul has made it known now. He just tweeted this yesterday. Tommy Fury is officially out by Wednesday morning if he doesn't go to the embassy. Come out of hiding. Three other uh, opponents lined up. I'm built different. Sorry if that if you guys are hearing that noise in the background. They're like going crazy. It's like must be young, young, young kids that can't go to the uh, can't go to the you know the the firework display because they're popping off in, in, in the neighborhood right now. Um, oh, the Reese. So as we know, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. I really like that fight. Um, the undercard. I think it's like an action undercard. There is a surprise fight that kind of threw me off. Um, the opener I really like. Um, I, but Abner Mares is making a comeback. And that kind of, that threw me for a loop. That completely threw me for a loop. I, I did not see that coming. Um, you know, we've heard about him talking about it before. So maybe I shouldn't be that surprised, but... I don't know. I just didn't. I just didn't see this thing coming. You know, I, I got it. I got like I said. I got to admit, I, I just didn't see it coming. Um, but you know, for a comeback fight, he's been out of the ring for a long time. Flores has fought a bunch of people. Like I said, it's probably an action fight. Whatever. I don't know. I'm just hoping for action in that fight. Um. The hardcore fan base, especially, you know, Andy Ruiz, Mexican-American, it makes sense. Abner Mars is known. He did pretty good crowds. You know, they did back to, you know, those those fights, him and Leo Santa Cruz, those did, those did good good numbers and whatnot. But the opener, uh, Jose Venezuela, the upcoming the up-and-coming uh, prospect here, is going against just – just real Corrales in a 10-round opener. I like that fight for where he's at in his career. Um, just real Corrales, solid guy, veteran guy, shouldn't win the fight, but I like it for a prospect level. I do like that fight. So I really like the main event. I really like the opener. Like I said, I'm just hoping Mares Flores is just exciting to watch. I, I don't, I'm not calling it some, oh, this is a great fight, you know. Um, and also, Isak Cruz is taking on Eduardo Ramirez in what should be an all-action fight. Um, and I believe it's for the WBC title eliminator. So it's one of those fights where you're like, okay, this fight's happening because of this, basically. This is going to line it up. And, uh, you know, I mean, we'll see <laughs> where that goes. Maybe – the winner of that fight takes on Tank, you know. 
which would probably be Isak Cruz, and then they line up for for Cambosis and Haney winner, which is likely Haney. I, I don't know. But uh, the opener's a, a banger I, I, in, a, in a good fight for prospect level. Banger-wise, the co-feature, it's a banger, but it's not like Eduardo's pretty good, uh, like fringe contender type stuff. He's had some decent wins of late um, and some good outings, but it's not something where I'm thinking like Isak Cruz is going to be, like he may lose this fight. That's not what it is. So to me, it's like the opener and the closer, I really like. The in-between, I'm just hoping that it's good fights, you know. Um, Eddie Reynoso, this is a report coming out of, um, what's it? Behind the glove, Eddie Reynoso, the headline is Eddie Reynoso blames the zone for Canelo not fighting the Bivol rematch. And it's, we want the fight, but it wasn't our fault. It's because of the company that we work with. It's like, well, you didn't have to sign with the company you worked with this fight. <laughs> so, huh? Because um, you could have taken the rematch if you wanted it. Obviously, they wanted it. I get that part. But he said, we feel good, but like everybody, nobody likes to have a loss, right? Which, you know, that's cool talking about the Bivol fight. We are trying to learn from this, and sometimes in life you need to lose in order to grow. It's a fight that everybody wants. Of course, we want the fight, but it wasn't our fault. It's because the because of the other company that we work with. Um, but now GGG, you know, well, this is a weird quote. It says, now GGG is on the factors, but we want the fight. Abel Sanchez has nothing to do, nothing to do now. But at the time, yes, of course. Uh, it's a fight that we want with Golovkin. We do want this fight. Uh, when they are talking about personal, when it comes to the Golovkin fight, it could be because we already fought 24 rounds. Uh, something is personal, but I could see it as a great fight. Everybody says it, but it's a fight. Like I told you, Abel has nothing to do with it. I don't know where that came in. That must have been a weird thing there. Um, News-wise, I Think that well, you know Ryan Garcia. They've been going back and forth him and Canelo. Um, Ryan Garcia is like, hey, I could find a, you know, Ricky Hatton's brother. <laughs> I can go find a Matthew Hatton and win a championship and get that out of the way and be young and with the with the belt. But all the belts are tied up, or even before they were with high level fighters, and that is true. But you know, it's basically off this quote. This is what. Canelo Alvarez said on Ryan Garcia picking Gennady Golovkin to beat him. He's just mad. He's uh, no more on the team, but he's a little kid. My advice is focus on your career, but he's a little kid, he says. My advice is uh, focus on your career, win a title first, then talk about other you know, people because you've accomplished nothing. So he did get a little salty, but really early in his career, he did fight some pretty good names. I mean, once he, I mean, even Austin Trout before he fought Floyd was, a, you know, with solid ass names. So come on, dude. Like, I don't know. It's just funny. Um, I think that's about it. We're going to get to some boxing Twitter and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Oh, we got some fanboys. Can anyone stop the Eastern European, the Eastern Euro takeover of boxing? Something we've heard since 2013 or 14. 
it seems well it's truly under underway and this seems like a, a tweet that was in like 2016 actually heavyweight Ustik unbeatable unbeatable so Fury would have no chance of beating them you're telling me cruiserweight loads of Eastern Euros well the guy who won and is now lineal basically Eastern Euro or he's just white enough for you skin 175 beat your BF or better BF and, and beat your BF and Bivol that's that's fair um they're both Russian, but okay, that is it. That's in that region. And then they said 135 Lomachenko. Well, that's a takeover. You're saying you're saying that's the takeover. Those are the guys you're pointing out for Eastern years about the takeover. Lomachenko at 135 is taking over. I, I don't know about that. Um, this other tweet: the Eastern Euros seem to have created a perfect style of technical still. Insane stamina and iron jaws, KO power. Nobody can stop them. The only division, the only division they don't rule, is 147. You sense the only reason is because they don't got a guy at that weight yet. So they they got 154, they got 135, they got 130, they got 126. Like, are we sure they got all those? I mean, does Golovkin have 160? Because uh, he hasn't fought Charlo or Andre, so so he's got it. He's he's got it. I mean, one sixty eight is just Eastern European heavy. Is that who's got that? Who's got that? No, if Bivol fought Canelo there, I think he'd beat him. But are we sure about that? Six more sleeps until Sunday. Seven, if your name is Kubrak Pulev. <laughs> um. Oh, here's this guy. So this is uh, – I can't even remember what – maybe it was the KSI fight or – man, I can't remember. Maybe it was Mayweather-McGregor or something or – I can't remember what, you know, exhibition-feeling fight, crossover fight, I'll call it. Dude, he, you know, basically like – his complaint about boxing was on this, on on some stupid fight he doesn't even have to pay for. You know, nobody's forcing you to buy a fight you don't want, and that's not even a, a full-on boxing fight that that he was talking about. And he said every division has like five champs slash chumps. No such thing as undisputed. Are you sure? The best are scared to fight the best until one of them is way out of the. You know, they're way out, and it's long anticipated. I quit buying fights long ago. I could stream them for free, not paying 60 bucks for every bullshit pay-per-view. Then don't, especially the crossover ones. Nobody's fun. Those aren't, that's not part of your you have to buy them, you know? But when he says there's no such thing as undisputed, and every every division has five chump champs, the best aren't fighting the best, it's just a weird year to say that. You know what I mean? It's really weird. Um, one thing, this is Lefty, shouts out to Lefty and Chicken Talk. One thing Loma and GGG are very good at, and the reason I think people rate them so highly today, they make C-level competition look like they don't belong in the ring with them, which is what world-class fighters do. 
I know he got some shit for that. People took it the wrong way, but it's true. I do think it's pretty funny that people use Canelo's activity to crap on other fighters. And now the man himself is saying that his body didn't react the way he wanted to in the Bivol fight. It may be because he was fighting so frequently. Well, he said that after the plant that he needed that that six-month break again. He did actually say that. Here's this Yvonne. I I wouldn't doubt. I don't I don't know this Yvonne guy too much. I've seen his tweets once in a while. When pe when people that I follow are kind of blasting him a little bit. But he says breaking news, and it's he probably got this from glaze or something but breaking news spence is asking for 25 million guaranteed to fight crawford funny thing is spence biggest payday is eight million versus mike garcia i think he's trying to sell that o at the high price because he knows the boogeyman is coming so there so he's asking for 25 he's pricing himself out huh? this is abraham gonzalez why do i feel like we get a boots ennis versus your Dennis Ugas next, while Thurman gets a shot at Stan Anonius. Hey, sign me up for both those fucking shots. See, this is where I think it's coming from, Glazier. Um, actually, I'm not going to read that tweet. I'll save that tweet. I'll put that one in the, in the background. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get out of here. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's not bore you guys too much here at the end of this. It is a holiday. Oh, there is... There is one thing I wanted to talk about real quick. I almost forgot about this. Um, so, <laughs> you know what? Well, I already brought it up. I might as well. So I saw this Joe uh, Markowski. I think it's Markowski from ESPN. Let me get this thing up here. Someone sent this to me. I forgot about this. I was actually going to talk about it. Um this is from BoxingScene.com. The zone executive administers promoters quarreling. We don't want our brand associated with that kind of behavior. That's what the, the zone, one of the executive, what the executive vice president of the of the zone, expresses dismay of the way certain promoters denigrate each other repeatedly through the media. Blah 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 blah. Um, and he says in particular that Eddie Hearn, obviously Eddie Hearn and Leonard LRB have been going back and forth, um, you know, and he says, you know, I don't like that. The back and forth exchanges, something he wants to, are not something he wants to encourage. Um, indeed, the executive even seems to suggest that they've taken action against their promoters who have spoken out forcefully against rival industry power brokers. Um. We, what, where's the quote? She says, what we won't do is, wait, what we won't do is, and you never see us do this, get in the back and forth with other promoters, uh, dis, dismissing them, dismissing the prospects of working with them. And I think he thinks, he's saying him, <laughs> because clearly Golden Boy and Hearn, you know, matchroom. Oscar and fucking Eddie. Like, of course, you know, I'm not saying Espinosa has the stuff back, said back. We know Bob has, Luda Bella has. Uh, we just talked to LRB, LRB, but, you know, it's just weird how he said that. 
Uh, Makowski expressed uh, concern the verbal tiffs between her and another rival promoters would only hurt the zone brand, which I agree. The zone um, in Hearn's uh, matchroom entered, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see what else it says. We don't want our promoters to do that, uh, which they do. Our promoters do that. Eddie does it. We slap them on the wrist. We don't want our brand associated with that kind of behavior because we don't think it's conductive of doing our job properly. And I think some back and forth is funny and shit pops off. And, hey, if someone says something about you, you got to say something back because you're, you know, you're, you're answering them. Okay, that's different. But we all know who started all this stuff. Eddie admits it. Eddie always admits it uh, as far as saying Showtime's not going to be able to handle it. Uh, they're going to basically sign a bunch of PBC fighters, blah, 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 blah. They're going to take over America, you know. Um, or he, he is, you know, his own, whatever. So Eddie starts the fire most of the time. But, you know, like I said, Bob Arum, DeBella, Espinosa, um, LRB, they, they fire shots time to time. Whereas damn near, I mean, a lot of interviews, Eddie's talking shit. But that's what he says I do. But he also, I've noticed recently, and I think he's learning, um, he said, you know, I'm realizing that this is not going to benefit me the best, so maybe I should chill sometimes. Um, But my biggest thing is, is when a fight's being negotiated. Or prior to a fight being negotiated. If you, you just rip apart a fighter or say this guy is, you know, he doesn't even deserve a fight with this guy, this guy, that guy. But then when other fighters say that about his fighters, he's going to freak out. Like my thing is he leads a lot of this stuff. And then it's just a back and forth where they're firing off both of each other. But the pre-negotiations and during the negotiations, I do have a problem with how he does it. And I think it has prevented some shit from happening. Um, but he wants to get ahead of it sometimes, too, so it makes him look good. Um, and usually he doesn't get m- the vast majority of media and part-time media and hardcore fight fans, say, on Twitter, usually don't give Eddie that much of shit, you know, because he's always talking about a next fight he's going to make or we should make that fight. These are fights we need to make. Well, okay, let's, let's start negotiating then. Let's not just talk about it then and negotiate it straight up. Like I said, I've never heard anybody, or I shouldn't say that, but it's very rare to hear the Eddie Hearn thing to where he was technically lowballing Wilder for a long time. And, you know, being that for the first fight and technically – if it was ever going to happen, the first fight or the second fight, it was going to be 40 mil, like we know. But he was five mil, seven and a half. You know, I've, I've said this before. I don't want to go over this stuff too much. But he was, you know, drastically under bidding and then destroying Wilder for not taking it, you know. And it's like, okay, you can destroy him for not taking 40 mil if you want or the deal with you. Okay, that's fine. But – as we know how it played out, you know, that first fight would have taken a lot longer with them than, than at first we thought, 
because, you know, AJ lost to Ruiz, had to have the rematch, and then COVID hit. So that fight in hindsight, we don't know if there's even a, a first fight, let alone a second fight, um, because he has, you know, he's taken this rematch. He took the Ruiz rematch, but if he loses to Wilder, and I've always said this, if he lost to Wilder, and I'm not saying he for sure loses to him, but if he did, it's probably by brutal knockout. Um, it's not getting knocked down a bunch and then getting up and then still being able to walk around and, and, and looking like you don't want to fight like the Ruiz fight or just getting out boxed and, and buzzed uh, a couple times at least uh, once or twice, that's for sure, against Usyk. It's brutal, and would they want to go back to that? I don't know about all that. But um, meanwhile, he was just terrorizing the guy, you know, and, but yet you were the one fucking him, you know? So, like I said, Eddie is Eddie. I I do like that he admits it, like, hey, man, this is my style, but he shouldn't be mad when they don't like me. Everyone wants me to fail, you know? It's like, but then you hear him and Frank, they barely ever work together. And he says the reasons why I don't want to work together. Because it's a competitor over there, you know? So, it's just funky. That's all. Um, but I do wish there was less of it on all sides. But like I said, Eddie is the leading contributor to this stuff. It, it, ever since he's been on the scene, that's just him. And he, and he admits it. To, you know, to his credit, he admits it. Um, but like I said, do your thing. But right before a potential fight, could be made and then during the negotiations I wish he just shut I know they're going to ask him questions but I I wish he'd just do the political answer at that time when the negotiations are over and it's been called off go ahead and and rip away if that's what you want to do cool you know fill in people with information that we don't have that's fine with me but when it's going on, it's kind of like, Ugh. and then match your own guys too. You sit there and destroy Charlo for the last two years, but then you don't, ma- you know, you can't make good fights over there barely when you had it. Most people at middleweight, so it's kind of it's just contradicting his shit. And a lot of the media doesn't call him out on it, just like they don't call Bob Arum. They go, oh, that's classic Bob or some shit like that. Anyway, I'm out. Enjoy the fights. Be back next Monday. Happy Fourth of July. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you see it.